Ksuvas, Perik Tes, Mishnah Zion, 9-7. A couple of Mishnahs ago, we said that the husband can waive any future requirements of the wife to have to make certain shvuas to swear before collecting her ksuba. And I mentioned over there that in addition to the shvuas apitropos, the oath that we adjure someone who acted as a fiduciary, um, even without a tainus bar, even though one isn't certain that uh, there was some malfeasance, but you could still force them to take a shvua. So there are other scenarios I mentioned, and this in Mishnah Zion um, lists out those other scenarios in which one can be forced to take a shvua before collecting. Um, now the structure of the next two Mishnahs are that Mishnah Zion really lists them out, The Mishnah Ches kind of explains or expounds upon these different um, scenarios, where the the nitva, the defendant, um, can insist that a shvua is taken. In the case of our Mishnah, we're talking about a scenario where the I'll call the plaintiff, the toveya, is the wife who wants to get paid in her ksuva, and the nitva, the defendant, let's call him, is the husband who has to pay the ksuva. And for some reason or other, before we let her collect on her ksuva, we say she needs to take a oath and make a shvua to swear. Now, the truth is that the various scenarios listed in our Mishnah have nothing to do particularly with a woman claiming on her husband regarding her ksuba. They apply universally to anybody who has a contract in hand and who's claiming on the contract to get paid. So anyone who's got an IOU, a creditor, will be able to collect based on the power of its contract. But there are certain scenarios, which will be listed in our Mishnah, in which we require the person collecting with the contract, or in this case the woman with her ksuba contract, to take a shvua before they can collect. Now, as far as de'oraisa shvuas go, when one is required to take a shvua on a Torah level, so that is only um, to enable one not to pay. And as the rule is, kol nishban shebetorah, nishban v'lo mishalman. Whenever you're required on a Doraiz level to take a shvua, it's to enable you not to pay. So we had the example, for example, I said that if a person has like a, a tainus bari, I insist that you owe me money, I can't make you pay because I haven't got two witnesses, but you'll be forced to at least swear you don't owe the money and then not pay. Similarly, if I bring like a witness against you, I say, listen, this person testifies you stole. I only have one witness, not two. Again, with one witness, I can't make you pay, but I can force you to take a shvua um, and then you won't have to pay. Okay? Our mission here, we're talking about scenarios where the person who's taking the shvua is indeed getting paid, uh, which tells that all the different shvuas listed in our Mishnah are really rabbinic in nature. Okay, but not, not notwithstanding, the structure of the shvua, the how it will be carried out, will take the same guise as a doraisa shvua, meaning being the kitas chayfets, the person who's taking the shvua, in this case the wife, will hold a sefer Torah, a tefillin, and she'll swear that she is indeed owed the money which um, she's claiming, based on her ksuba contract, um, and then she will indeed be able to collect. Okay, so... Uh, so again, so just these 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 rules kind of apply to any person who's claiming on a contract, but we'll talk in the context of a woman claiming her ksuba. So the Mishnah here, Mishnah Zion, starts out by saying, Hapogemus ksubasa, one who impairs her ksuba contract. Meaning, the ksuba contract says she's owed 200 zuz, or in the case of the illustration of the next Mishnah, 1,000 zuz, doesn't make a difference. And she says, I'm not owed all of it, I've been paid back 100 already, I just want to get paid the rest. So once she's impairing her claim, meaning her claim is inconsistent with 
what her contract says. She's asking for less than the contract stipulates because she claims it's been partially repaid. So then, procedurally, we require her to take a shvua before she can collect on anything. Now, the reason why the rabbis did this is because when a person hasn't been paid back anything, so then they know for certain I haven't been paid. There's no question in my mind. If I lend you $100 and it's saying to pay me back $10 a week for the next 10 weeks, so if you haven't started paying me, I'll certainly know, listen, you haven't paid me. I'm waiting for you to pay you. You haven't paid me, so I'm certain. Now, and you'll say whatever you'll say. But now, once we're in the middle of the repayment process or some money has been repaid, so oftentimes the person who got paid back in part um, didn't doesn't pay precise attention to exactly how much has been repaid. In other words, it's no longer a binary have or haven't been paid. Now it's like, you know, there's, there's some amount that hasn't been, it's partially repaid. So I might, you know, in the, my example, I might say, listen, I can't remember, I know there's been, we're at five. Does that mean five still to go or five have been paid? I can't remember. You know, you don't you don't pay price size attention to exact amounts necessarily. So the rabbis were concerned that once a woman has been partially repaid, she won't know the exact number if she's not careful um, regarding how much has already been paid, meaning how much is left to be paid. And therefore, by imposing upon her this procedural shvua that every time she collects on a partial ksuba, a, a a pogemis, uh, impaired ksuba. So in such a scenario, she's put a notice ahead of time. You'll have to take a shvua on the exact amount to so keep precise track. So that's the idea over here. Hapogemis ksuba. Once a woman's claiming her ksuba is impaired, and she's only asking for a partial payment because she's conceding some has already been paid. Lotifara, she cannot collect and be repaid. Ella bishvua, unless she first swears on the exact amount, the formal shvua, rabbinically. Similarly, if there's a single witness who corroborates the claim of the husband and says, this has already been repaid, but the woman's saying, the, saying no, it hasn't been repaid, I want to get paid back on my ksuba, and here's the contract, so you got to pay me in full of 200 zuz. She cannot get repaid, unless she first takes a shvua. Again, procedurally, we require her to take a shvua. Um, and this was rabbinically done to give... Um, some kind of like uh, cons- consolation, if you will, to the the husband. In other words, the husband um, obviously holds he repaid her, and he's rather unhappy about it. At least if she takes a shvua, so she's sworn. Uh, either perhaps now he says, "Okay, fine." So she's gonna, you know, she's gonna get what she deserves now because taking a shvua falsely really is terrible in terms of the. Shemaim, what happens to a person, it's one of the chamuros swearing falsely, so one of the severe crimes in the Torah, so she'll get it and okay, so then, and she's certain, and I believe at least, although I I'm convinced I repaid her, at least I'm convinced he will say in his head at least I'm convinced that she believes she hasn't been repaid and she's not just, you know, she's not just you know, being a crook and a criminal, at least in her mind, she believes her claim, so at least that's some consolation also whatever the case the point is, once there's an Eid Echad who is a single witness, who is corroborating that she's been partially repaid, we now force her procedurally always to take a shvua before she gets repaid in full. Again, I want to speak something out here. This is the Durabanan. So it's not that... Normally the shvua that is involved with the single witness, the Eid is where the Eid is saying, you have to pay, and the person, the defendant says, no, I don't have to pay, and I swear I don't have to pay. That would be Doraisa. But here it's... The, she's swearing and she gets paid. Okay, that's the Durabanan. The last 
set of categories, you know, option number three, if you will, in the Mishnah, has three A, three B, and three C, but the common denominator for all of these last three cases is that the husband, meaning the nitva, the defendant, is not present to defend himself. Again, they'll be true whoever the defendant is, whether he's anyone trying to collect on a contract or a wife trying to collect from a husband. The case here is the husband, let's say, defend, divorced her, um, and but now he's no longer here to, for the ksuba to be paid. So she's saying to somebody else, now I need to get paid. So we're essentially going to act, so to speak, as if the husband were here and and uh, and uh, put forth, you know, put forth a bit of a more vigorous defense. So here we go. The Mishnah says, Menichse Yesomim, if she's claiming from his heirs. Yesom means orphans, but practical, practically speaking, it means his heirs, whoever inherited his estate. She's claiming from them. Menachasa Meshubadim, or encumbered properties. Again, that's the case where he sold somebody else his house, and now she's going to the purchase of the house and saying, listen, my ksuba date predates your purchase of the house. The house, therefore, was Meshubad. It was leaned to my ksuba. I don't get the money from him directly because he hasn't got it, so I'm now taking the money effectively from you. Or Shalob Afanov, or simply he's not around. So that means he divorced his wife, he went on vacation, he can't come back, he's not accessible, and he's not coming back anytime soon, 30 days, he can't come back within 30 days. So then, um, in all those cases, Lo Sifarash, she cannot collect, she won't be paid out, Ella Bishua, unless she first um, swears she's owed the money. The idea is, since he's not around, he can't defend himself, so we'll essentially act as a defense for him and say, listen, if he were around, he very might likely might say, listen, I paid you back. Now, I didn't emphasize it, but now I'm emphasizing something that has to be understood for the next mission. I understand this last part here. If a person repudiates the claim fully, she says, you owe me 200 zuz, he says, certainly not. I paid you back in full. I'm 100% sure I paid you back, and you're wrong. Maybe you're lying, maybe you're mistaken, but the point is you're definitely wrong. I'm certain I paid you back. So then, it's within his rights to say, Listen, I understand you have a ksuba and the contract, the paper, the paper says, so I'm going to have to pay you, but I demand you take a shvua first. He's within his rights to, to make such a demand. If he doesn't demand it, she won't have to make the shvua. But if he insists he repaid it in full, and he makes a total repudiation, or refutes her claim to it, then he is within his rights, Nurabana at least, to demand a shvua, and she'll have to take a shvua before she collects. Um, without that demand, though, she doesn't have to take the shvua. The point of our mission up to now has been that regardless of what he demands procedurally, if she's asking for a, a ksuba that's impaired, or she's asking for a ksuba that's supporting her claim, she's supporting his claim, so then he's going to have to, uh, she's going to have to take a shvua procedurally. But now there's this other rule, which is if he's fully denying it, he can, if he wants to, only if he requires it and demands it of her, make her take a shvua. So the point is, if he had been around, then he might make such a. He might say, "No way, it's been paid." Now he's just dead, or now he's unavailable, so therefore he can't make such a claim. But we'll make that claim, so to speak, on his behalf. The Besdin will, since he's not around and can't be present for this proceeding, and therefore uh, will require her to take a shvua before she collects on her ksuba.